You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A memory that I'm going to be telling my grandchildren, hopefully one day, is uh, sitting a foot and a half away from Stephen Sondheim playing his music on guitar at opening night of his show and one of the, the last opening night that he would get to see. It was really, really meaningful, and it, and it was you know it, his passing away during the run was was really painful, and you know imbued it with a lot of meaning, imbued the run with a lot of meaning for us. So it was a really unbelievably special experience, and, and the production is something I was so proud to be a part of. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder and host of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you haven't tried Built for the Stage yet, go to builtforthestage.com and you can be on your way to a seven-day free trial where you'll work one-on-one with your own Broadway fitness coach on an interactive fitness app. Special thanks to BPN, Broadway Podcast Network, our producing team. You can check them out at bpn.com. FM. All right. Exciting guest as always. Uh, you, may, you may have seen our guest uh, a few years back starring in the title role of SpongeBob, um, where the physicality that he displayed on the stage was just uh, beyond captivating. Um, I fell in love with uh, this performance from the get go. I did not expect to love a show like SpongeBob, um, but I showed up and was like, transformed uh, or i should say uh uh yeah transformed and also just kind of uh teleported into this cartoon world and i was uh so bought in and a lot of people obviously were because our guest won a drama desk for this an outer critics uh award a theater world award he was nominated for a tony he also was recently in uh assassins off broadway Um, where they just recently closed, uh, I believe it was January 20th or the 22nd, something like that. If you missed the performance, though, uh, never fear. Don't worry. They have a cast uh, recording that's going to be coming out soon. Um, I believe March the 18th. I'm looking through my notes right now, but I'll pull that up in just a second. Let's bring them on. Enough of my rambling. Please welcome to the podcast, Ethan Slater. What's up, Ethan? Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. Um, hey, my pleasure. Love that introduction. 
That's that you know, <laughs> it was a bit long winded, but I just you know, it was just rambling no, it's, on here it's awesome. on a Monday like morning. There's there's something uh, really uh, fun and uncomfortable about hearing your resume a little bit read mm-hmm. out loud, but it's also kind mm-hmm. of like, all right, nice, like, oh yeah, those were things that I did. <laughs> exactly. I, I, them, I, I have a I have trouble with that as well as far as just like slowing down to say, hey, you're you're doing some good things. Like, good for you. You know, keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> so con- yeah. so congrats. Um, I love on your website when you do write about your bio, you're like, I'm gonna write this in the third person. And I thought that was um <laughs> very like genuine and like, oh, this he's a cool guy. Um but <laughs> yeah. Going going back to uh, my intro with SpongeBob, honestly, uh, I had some friends that wanted to see it. They're from out of town. And growing up with my niece and nephew, wow, they watched SpongeBob on repeat. So when I was going, I had like a vast, vast uh, plethora of experience watching (laughs) SpongeBob. So when I was showing up, I'm like, is this going to be like Disney on ice? Like, is this going to be super lame? What is this? And it was just so endearing. And like, just the way that you all pulled that off was incredible. So Congrats oh, to thank you. you. On, on Man, that. But that's that's like the classic journey with SpongeBob. Like even for me, when I got the audition, um, you know, there was no script yet. There was there was no nothing about it in the world. It was secret. It was called the Untitled Tina Landau Project, and my character's name was Chipper Chip. Like there was nothing <laughs> about it. Uh, but I, I like I knew that it was SpongeBob because of the sides. And then when I went in for the audition, the first thing that Tina said to me was like, "Hey, so I know that I know what you're wondering, but like, no, there's not going to be big foam costumes. It's not going to be an amusement park show. Um, we're not doing an arena show. We're going to like use your body to tell the story." So like my audition, even most of it had to do with doing physical comedy and doing a physical comedy routine, um, and. Uh, you know, trying to be sort of cartoonish um, without being cartoonish, you know, cartoonish. (laughs) (laughs) No, because because truly that's for me, that's what made it was like you kept that element of, oh, yeah, these are humans and they're kind of reenacting this cartoon. But at the same time, it was still coming uh, from an authentic place, which was which was really cool. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, like, not to get too uh, too into it too quickly, but uh, I've got this sort of deep obsession with um, sort of like the silent movies and the silent movie comedians, and uh, you know, I think that started a little bit before I worked on SpongeBob, but casually, and then working on SpongeBob, you know, it was based on the way that they like the cartoon was based on the way that Laurel and Hardy moved their bodies, and Buster Keaton moved his body, and Charlie Chaplin, and and uh you know Harold Lloyd and like the it's sort of like this chicken or the egg kind of question you know the the cartoon elements came from what human bodies were doing and then they went a little further and then the human bodies then had to do what the cartoons took a little too far you know what i mean yeah. um so i i there was always like there is like this human core of comedy even in the sort of like laws of physics breaking cartoon world there's there's always it comes from what bodies can do um yeah and so i always found that like a really fun sort of touchstone so before we jump into assassins i want to continue this spongebob rant just a little bit longer because before we hit record (laughs) i had mentioned that 
when I saw the show, I really genuinely was dying to get to to chat with you someday because of your physicality on stage. And I had seen or heard some other interviews that uh, you took part in and you talked about your history as a wrestler. And I myself (laughs) am a former athlete and performer. I actually played um, Division One college football as a musical theater major, the only one in the country. So I Wait, I, I need sh- to hear more about that. I need to hear a little bit more about okay. that. Okay. Uh, so um <laughs> so what I I will I will I promise. But I the reason okay, I bring okay, that okay, up okay, okay. <laughs> The reason I bring that, uh, that up is because when I heard you had a wrestling background, I was like, "Oh, you know, someone in wrestling that also was involved in theater. You know, this is not a common yeah. this is not a common thread, but you know, real quick, not to bore everyone that maybe have, has already heard this, but I grew Sorry, up. Sorry, everyone. A, I, I'm not bored. I need. To, I need to hear it. Yeah, yeah. I grew <laughs> up as a as a three sport athlete, and in middle school, in the seventh grade, my you know little middle school girlfriend at the time was like, "Oh, I want to." She said, "You know, quote unquote, try out for the school play," and I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you know, I don't have a car, obviously, at in seventh grade, so you're just dying to find any way to hang out with your significant other a bit more." Um, so I was like, mm-hmm. "Sure, I'll do. I'll do the play, having no interest in it." And it was uh, Shakespeare, Much Do About Nothing. And I was cast in the play and she was not. So I actually was in this sh- in this play for no reason because she wasn't even in it. And I, and I hated every second of it. And then my choir teacher sat me down after and was like, just give it one more try. And it was Guys and Dolls Jr. in the spring and I did it. And ever since then, in seventh grade through my senior year of high school, um, I was the lead in all the shows, and I ended up going to study musical theater in college, and I was just going to do theater. I had some offers to either play football or baseball, but I thought, you know, if I did that, it would only last another four years, and then it would be over. But if I chose mm-hmm. to go for for theater, you know, I could do that my whole life. So I went, but during my uh, freshman year of college, I would hear the PA announcer uh, on campus announcing the football games and I would be crying in my dorm room because <laughs> mm. yeah. I, cause I, cause I was, mi- I was missing it. Yeah. So yeah. that spring I walked onto the team, I made the team and from then on was uh, playing football and majoring in musical theater at the same time. So that's, that's wow. how that happened. Uh, Man. I, yeah. I, I do have a lot of follow-up questions, but I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, <laughs> Not not take up too much time with it, but I, I am curious. Like, what were you able to um, do shows when you had a practice? You know, like what what was the what did yeah. that look like? Yeah, so I was really fortunate in in high school and college to be able to have uh, professors and teachers and coaches that would work with me. Uh, yeah. One example I always love to bring up from high school was I was playing uh, Curly in Oklahoma. But at the time, we had just started baseball practice in Ohio. And in Ohio, the beginning of baseball season is still very cold. So you'll start your practices in the basketball gym, like pitching or doing batting practice. So at nighttime, we were practicing. And uh, a girl that was in the show would run out of the theater to the basketball court and say, Hey, Joe, your scene is coming up. (laughs) <laughs> and I would stop. I would stop pitching, and and run to the theater and do my scenes, and then I would run back to baseball. And 
uh, in Man. college, college was insane because being an athlete alone in college is just crazy as, as well mm-hmm. as being a, a theater major. It's also crazy. So my day usually looked like five 30 was weights and then class. And then you had practice until about five or six. And then you had rehearsal from about seven to ten thirty, And then you just kept doing that over and over again. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was, yeah. it was a, Sleep it was a graduate. Lot sleep when you yeah but it's just kind of my i don't know my my kryptonite is to never allow myself to not be overly busy so i still kind of yeah. keep that same kind of schedule no i i definitely i feel that it's it's yeah. always it's always better to have your time sort of um filled up to the to the inch and then you can like yeah. when you have that free time you can use it the best yeah, yeah, it's some moderation that I need to to work on, but yeah. Okay, all so right. <laughs> going back to you though, so you're center stage in uh, SpongeBob, and I remember you doing like you either did like a kip up or some type of broad jump down center stage, and I was like, holy shit! Like this kid's so <laughs> so athletic. Um, excuse my, I have another podcast as well, and we speak a bit more freely on that podcast. <laughs> so that, ju- <laughs> that just came out. So all of our middle school listeners, I apologize. But anyways, um, tell us how wrestling like had a, had a factor in your physicality or, or just how you've been able to carry that over to the stage. Because honestly, it was extremely impressive and something that is not common, um, even from the best of the best. Oh, well, first of all, thanks. I mean, I, I, wrestling was like a huge, huge part of my life. Uh, and I think I learned, um, a ton of just about my body from wrestling. Um, I was pretty deeply obsessed with it. I still am. And I, you know, it was, I also was kind of in this place when I was a senior in high school and I was trying to figure out whether I was going to wrestle in college or do theater. Um, and I had a couple of places where I'd been talking to the coaches. I had a couple of offers to go to some places to wrestle. And the, the kind of basic understanding was like, if you want to be a starter on our team, if you want to, you know, if you want to be wrestling, then you're not going to be able to do shows. It's just that it's just kind of incompatible. Um, you know, I could ride the bench for four years and I could be a, a theater major, but if I wanted to actually try to crack the starting lineup, it probably wasn't going to happen. And, uh, I made that sort of heartbreaking decision to, you know, do theater instead. And, and then I was, you know, my freshman year, I found a freestyle club, uh, nearby where I was going to school. And so I was wrestling a few times a week and I was getting really into it and I was still training. And then I, uh, at the beginning of when, you know, when I was 19 years old, I had a, I had a pretty bad injury while I was, um, kind of messing around, honestly. And then I was on crutches for eight months. Um, so, which is just to say, like, it was a, it was a version of the decision that you made that wasn't as conscious, which was like, well, theater is going to be my life and I'm really passionate about it and I love it. And if I wrestle, it'll be four years. There's no chance I'm an Olympic wrestler who then gets sponsored and makes it my life. You know, it would be something I would do for four years and then I would, I would be moving on. Um, and then I got injured and realized that I wouldn't have been able to do it for even four years. So I, I feel really grateful that I made that choice. But yeah, wrestling taught me so much about my body, about like where my body is in space and how to use it. Um, 
I learned how to tumble because I was trying to like warm up and, and be kind of flashy in my warm ups, And that's how I learned how to tumble a little bit. And No um, way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was this one guy, my freshman year, there's this guy at DeMatha High School, which is an un- unimportant detail, but he where, was so, Where are you from? Sorry. Where are you I'm, from? I'm from, I'm from DC, Washington, DC. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Not a storied wrestling um, city, but Maryland is a sick wrestling state. Um, and, you know, Ohio- you were from Ohio, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, from Ohio, yeah. Ohio is one of those powerhouse places. But Maryland is like this this amazing wrestling state. And so there's this one guy who's just like unreal. And my freshman year, we went to this huge tournament. And everybody is like sort of lunking around and like, you know, being like tough and overly intense. And that's kind of how a lot of wrestlers are. And this one guy is like skipping and doing backflips and doing cartwheels and just having the time of his life not not trying to look hyper masculine just like getting limber and tumbling and <laughs> and uh and then he went out and he whooped everyone and i mm. was like that's that's my version of this like that's what i you know that's what i aspire to be is somebody who's like Got not it. out there to be like performative in spite of the fact that i'm a performer but who's out there to like be um, you know, the most version of, of myself out on the mat and figure out what my body can do and how I can wrestle in the best ways. And like, you know, I, I learned how to be flexible from wrestling. I, I thought it was really cool when people would go into the splits to stop you from, uh, taking them down. So I learned how to do the splits <laughs> so that when someone was in on my leg, I could just stretch my other leg back and keep pushing away. Um, wow. So it was like all of these little things that then I got to do SpongeBob and it was like, okay, what's your bag of tricks? And I was like, all right, well, here's my wrestling bag of tricks. Let's see how they, how they work on stage. Yeah. They transferred Uh, over amazingly. So, uh, kudos to your wrestling background. Wow. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it definitely took some work, you know, it was like, I, I hadn't really done any dance classes, um, which I, I kind of really regret, but I, I never took a dance class until, I took one in college and then I took a lot after college. I started like really, really trying to do that. And I was, I, I struggled with it because it felt really new and scary and it still feels really new and scary to me. Um, but I've always, I've always loved watching dancing. So it was something that I always like loved. And then, you know, but learning wrestling techniques, I was like, oh, right. Okay. So I actually do know how to control small parts of my body and, and, and it became applicable in that way. Yeah, yeah so- I think I think as performers, um, we obviously know the athletic requirements it takes to be a successful performer. But as an athlete, uh, at at our core, watching dancers or watching performers, I find it hard to believe that not all athletes could at least find some appreciation or joy from watching performers or dancers because of how athletic it is. It's kind of undeniable. Totally. They feel, they feel pretty intertwined. I have to say though, I I also like, I had the best wrestling team. I, it's, I'm not, it's not, it's not lost on me that my high school wrestling teammates were just, they were so supportive and I was, I was running, but you know, I, when I was a a kid, I was like obsessed with baseball and I wanted to play baseball with my life forever. I was going to be a professional baseball player, even though I wasn't that good. And, uh, you know, it was like this big deal to me to do the musical instead of playing baseball in the spring. Um, that was like a tough choice that I, you know, I was mm-hmm. like, I was 14 and I was really like, it was tough, but my wrestling <laughs> teammates came to all every performance I did. 
um, in the fall they came, in the spring they came. They came when I was you know doing a show over the summer. I had just like this incredible cheering section um, from from my wrestling teammates, and it was just it was awesome. Um, wow, so we yeah, have a it, very we have a very similar background. You know, getting my football teammates and all of my other teammates to show up to see me. Uh, by junior and senior year, I even convinced some of them to actually be in the in the musicals. So I had <sighs> some, some of these. You did it. I, yeah, I was that bridge. That that's yeah. you know that's kind of what built for the stages as well is just trying to bridge that gap from uh, a performer trying to train like the athlete they need to be and bridging mm-hmm. that kind of you know discomfort we have in a gym or fitness environment. You know, it's not always maybe. Uh, the most inviting type of place. I've been going to the gym since sixth grade, and sometimes I still walk into the gym and I'm like, uh, this is a little, you know, a little stuffy in here for me. So we're just yeah. trying to bridge that gap. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let's transition away from SpongeBob and wrestling. <laughs> Everyone that's been uh, <laughs> listening, I'm sure based off the demographic of our, our listener or viewer, um, y'all really enjoyed the SpongeBob talk. If you didn't like the wrestling or other talk, we, we apologize. So that was just a little selfish banter between uh, Ethan and I. So thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for hanging with us. Yeah, um, thank you. I appreciate it. Let's jump into Assassins. Uh, let me get this right. As I was doing the intro, I was just struggling to pull up my notes. But you can get the off-Broadway cast recording of Assassins that Ethan is uh, featured in March 18th. And you can get that at broadwayrecords.com. And you also, on April the 15th, have a chance to get it in a physical CD format. Throwback right there. TBT, mm-hmm. Throwback Thursday, um, <laughs> of a physical CD recording. Will there even be like a CD pamphlet in there with like photos? With and like liner notes? I hope so. Yeah. That's I hope like so. Throw- that would be awesome. Bringing me back to like buying Nelly Country Grammar back in uh, <laughs> six. My sound oh, is the first CD that popped in my head, or maybe Will Smith's. Will Smith's Big Willie style. Listening to Will Smith on the bus going to school. Oh yeah, you know? I'm dating myself, so I'm letting everyone know <laughs> about how old I am. So, the first uh, albums so, I bought were Weird Al, I think. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Weird Al. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. thinking about uh, Chumba Wamba as well. Uh-huh. Um, all uh-huh. those good things. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So assassins, yeah. so assassins. assassins. Y'all just closed uh, at the end of January. Um, the cast list was like, wow, like a who's who of cast lists um, as far as who was in it. How was that experience for you? And yeah, it was a lot different than SpongeBob, I'm assuming. It was really different than SpongeBob. It was, it was an incredible experience. I mean, um, 
SpongeBob is one of the greatest experiences of my life. And this is right up there. One of the greatest experiences of my life. I mean, there's, uh, you know, in terms of the, the company that I was keeping, the company that I was with, um, just some of the, the cast, unbelievable people, but also like everyone backstage and we were at classic stage company and just, just unbelievable. Not to mention we were working on an incredible show by Stephen Sondheim and John Weidman and they were really involved. They were there. Um, and a memory that I'm going to be telling my grandchildren, hopefully one day is, uh, sitting a foot and a half away from Stephen Sondheim playing his music on guitar at opening night of his show. And one of the, the last opening night that he would get to see, it was really, really meaningful. And it, and it was, you know, it, his passing away during the run was, was really painful and, you know, imbued it with a lot of meaning, imbued the run with a lot of meaning for us. So it was a really unbelievably special experience. And, and the production is something I was so proud to be a part of. I mean, you were saying like the castles, it's like outrageous, you know, like everyone on there yeah. is somebody that I've, um, you know, been enamored with from afar for my whole life. So yeah, absolutely. Pretty special. Yes. If you put you in a room with pretty much anyone and you all were introducing yourselves and you did the whole, like, you know, tell a special story that you have or whatever. I feel like you would, you would win, uh, as far as that story goes, <laughs> play, playing guitar, uh, right next to Steven Sondheim from one of his, his own works, uh, that had to have I been mean, just like crazy. I, I, uh, I couldn't bear to, uh, look while, but there's this one moment during uh, the ballad of Booth sung unbelievably by Mr. Steven Pasquale. And I cannot wait for this album for y'all to hear. I mean, it's just like unreal. So there's this part in it where he's, he's singing his booth and I'm playing guitar and I'm sitting on the uh, downstage right corner again, a foot away from Stephen Sondheim. And I couldn't make eye contact with him because, you know, he's the, the greatest of all time. Um, and I don't want to butcher his music. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and a after the show... Um, I think it was Steve, uh, Steve Pasquale who pointed out to me that during that moment... Uh, you, well, y'all can't see me, but uh, Sondheim leaned in over his knees and was staring directly at my fingers as I was playing the guitar. <laughs> and Pasquale was like, "You know, can, can you like could could you feel it? Could you feel it burrowing into your hands?" <laughs> you know, so like so much pressure, uh, but got the sign of approval, um, the seal yeah. of approval, which was great. But it was you know un just unreal. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how I don't know how you did it. My my hands would be uh, probably shaking too much to play the guitar if he was sitting just feet away from me. I was in <laughs> cold sweats. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anything that like stuck out to you from that time on the stage that you didn't expect to happen. I like to throw out this question from time to time. You you, yeah. you go into your expectations of like, all right, I know this show. Um, yes, mm -hmm. this cast is phenomenal and I'm probably going to be in awe every day, but was there anything else that kind of like came out of nowhere for you that was a, you know, a unexpected, pleasant surprise during that experience? Yeah. I mean, millions of things. Um, one of the first things that like just blew me away, this is such a, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to compliment someone basically is what I'm going to do. Um, but, uh, I knew the show a little bit. I'd seen it when I was in college and I'd, I'd listened to the music 
And I didn't really realize that that the role of Cholgash was was such a powerful role until I saw Brandon Uranowitz do it day two of rehearsal. Um, and he does this incredible scene, like this unbelievable scene with Bianca Horn, uh, who's playing Emma Goldman. And I remember just like as soon as it started the first day of rehearsal, I was like, oh my God, this is the, this is the role. You know what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. you see shows and you're like, this is the role. And then everybody else did their moments. I was like, oh my God, like Booth, that's the role. Oh my God, Gateau, that's the role. You know, and it was one of those things where every time somebody was working on it, I was just kind of blown away because I got to watch everything. But that, that was a moment I, I feel like I learned so much about what it means to just switch into a character and inhabit somebody so fully from watching Brandon do that. Um, mm -hmm. So if you hear this, Brandon, uh, I, I do mean it, and I'm a little mm -hmm. embarrassed to be saying it, but it, it, <laughs> it's true. No, it was like yeah. just a, no, I'm not, not really. I'm, it, it was just such a such a special thing. Um, everybody had those moments, but uh, you know, he he took that role and gave it such pathos and like such deep like pain. Um, that that to me was just it was one of the most beautiful things to see a role that you didn't realize could be such a revelation be be one yeah. um yeah i mean i guess the the only other thing that was like a beautiful surprise is you know everybody is was so so cool you know, we had such a good time hanging out backstage and i knew it was going to be a creatively incredible experience just mm -hmm. because i knew everyone's work but i i um it's not often that you uh stay after every show for an hour, an hour and a half, just because everybody wants to chat and hang out. Right. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you had a great experience with that. Uh, sad that the show was, you know, a, a limited engagement, but again, everyone that's wanting to take a listen, the cast album is right around the corner. So you can check that out. Um, digitally March 18th. All right, let's uh, close oh, yeah. out the inter interview with, uh, one of your own works actually called edge of the world. Um, yeah. can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? I, I love to just um, kind of spotlight when performers, you know, aren't just performing, but they're on the other side of the table, if you will, and, and kind of doing things uh, behind the scenes in a, in a creative light. So tell us about uh, tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, I would love to. I mean, uh, I, I've been working on the show uh, with Nick Blameyer. Um, we wrote it together called Edge of the World, which is about a, a young boy who um, his father moves him to rural isolated Alaska where, where they grow up in isolation and he, he uses his imagination to cope with the loneliness of his surroundings. Um, and it's, it's, a it's a musical that's like really, you know, near and dear to my heart and, and we, and we love it. And, and it's, uh, it's in development to be brought to the stage and we're really excited about that. Um, but then there was this kind of thing that was happening over, over the pandemic, which is that we'd been planning on doing a workshop and some development and stuff. And, and, uh, March, 2020 hit and we couldn't. Um, and for a while we were like, what do we do? Do we, do we just <laughs> sit on it? Do we just like hope that the world gets back to normal soon? Or is there something we can do is, is a story about isolation in the Arctic circle, like too much for right now. So we waited a couple <laughs> of months. Uh, and then, um, and then we decided, you know what, like maybe, maybe making a record could be a good way to do this. And we've been approached by, by Broadway records, who's also doing assassins and they're wonderful Van Dean at Broadway records. Um, like we talked with, with him about what it would mean to make this album remotely. And we reached out to Norbert Leo Butts, who is, um, just one of the greatest of all time. Um, mm. and you know, just, you know, the, 
unbelievable human and like incredible, like just one of the best performers ever. Like this actor who um, his voice is unbelievable, but like just the sensitivity he brings to every character. He's so good. Mm. And, you know, the music struck a chord with him and he was like, yeah, man, I'm in, um, let's do this. And Lily Cooper, who's been a friend forever, um, another one of the greatest performers of all time. And, um, you know, we got this, this small group together and made an album. Um, sorry. So that's a long winded way of saying like, it's this no, thing it's that we bring to it's the awesome. stage, but we, but we have this album that's out and you can listen to it wherever you listen to music, um, or on broadwayrecords.com. And, uh, I'm really proud of this thing that we made, um, from each of us in our own closets in different parts of the country, um, yeah. being mixed by this awesome producer, Aaron Ankrum in Minneapolis. <laughs> so, uh, you know, a true kind of, um, unique quarantined album, but it feels like we were all in the room together and it was, a for a show that's about connection and imagination and, and family. Um, it was a pretty special to, to make that in the pandemic. So anyway, that's a check. No, it out. please. Uh, that's I'm really proud of it. Keep going. That's why I brought it up. We want to talk about it. Uh, talk about talking about physical CDs earlier. The amount of uh, plays my burnt CD of last five years had in my in my pickup oh my truck God. in Ohio was just unheard yeah. of. <laughs> yes, I mean, tell me about it. Like, I I remember, uh, um, you know, I so I did my senior year of high school. Uh, my friend Kalen and I did our senior project was to put on the last five years because, you know, obviously we were obsessed with it, but also I was just like, so obsessed with Norbert, right. um, his voice. And I just like want, like, I, um, and I, th I think I've told him this and if I didn't, then, uh, well, he'll hear it eventually. Um, you know, when, when, uh, when I was asked like who my idol, my sister was like, who, who is like the person that you most look up to? who's an actor who's in the theater. She was like, is it like Tom Cruise? Is it like, and I was like, it's Norbert <laughs> Leo Butts, man. It's Norbert. Like uh -huh. this guy. Um, so yeah, he, yeah he's so awesome. Getting to work with him was, was unreal. And I, I'm just like, you know, um, you know, I, I just, you know, check it out, check out what he sings on edge of the world. It's out. It's outrageous. Nick and I were brought to tears when we heard, um, heard him sing, uh, rocks and things for the first time. Cool. Yeah, everyone, special. everyone that's listening right now, all of this will be uh, in the description of this episode. So if you want to click any of these links um, that we've talked about, just reference the description of the episode and it'll all be there for you. Um, the album Assassins and uh, Edge of the World, um, as well as Ethan's website, EthanSlater.com and his Instagram handle, Ethan Slater. Um, Ethan, thanks so much for being uh, on the episode. Thank you for your time. Again, yeah. huge, huge fan and just, you know, super excited for what you have to come in the future. Thanks for having me. Do you mind if I, if I plug one tiny thing? Yeah, please. Last one tiny thing. Um, I'm just, I'm, I, if you happen to be a listener in Chicago right now, I'm, I'm in Chicago doing a play at the Goodman theater called Goodnight Oscar, um, starring Sean Hayes. And it is a, a really great play written by Doug Wright. Um, and directed by Lisa Peterson. So I just, I would be remiss not to say if you're in Chicago and you're able to come to the Goodman Theater, this thing is, is also pretty special. So um, yeah, thanks for letting me plug it. No, of course. Uh, I'm sure we have listeners from Chicago, but we definitely have actors in Chicago and the Bill for the Stage family. So I'll put a message out on our app and, and say, hey, go see Ethan in, in his play right All now. Right. So, All right. All uh, right. A pl uh, pleasure again. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, everyone. That was Ethan Slater on Bill for the Stage podcast. 
Uh, special thanks to BPN, Broadway Podcast Network. You can check them out at bpn.fm. And you can check us out, billforthestage.com, at billforthestage, uh, anywhere that you swipe your thumb. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, podcasts, whatever. All right, Joe Roscoe signing off. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.